It's lovely to be back at Holy Trinity once again, and uh, it's been so good to arrive about an hour early to spend some time with the candidates and hear a little bit of their stories. And I know later on in the service, shortly, we will be uh, hearing some of their stories a bit more, and there's a little bit written in the back of um, the service sheets for those of us who have those. But uh, it's so good to be just celebrating uh, these mostly young people, two slightly older people, as they take this significant step forward in their Christian journeys tonight. And do pray for them tonight, do pray for them in the months and the years to come. I'm sure we're all very uh, proud of them and uh, God's call on their lives. So it'd be good to have just a few moments of quiet as we pray quietly for especially any who, who we've come to support, especially tonight. And then I'm going to lead us in a, a more formal prayer. So let's, uh, let's just have a few moments of quiet and Let's bring into our mind's eye the candidate or candidates whom we're especially kind of rooting for tonight. Tonight, our candidates will be renewing their baptismal vows, those vows that they made or were made on their behalf when they were younger. So, Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you give to your faithful people new life in the water of baptism. Guide and strengthen us by the same Spirit, that we who are born again may serve you in faith and love and grow into the full stature of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Grace, would you come up and read to us from Matthew's Gospel? Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 to 33 and 44 to 46. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Sorry, guys. Shall I go from the beginning? Ooh. He, told, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard, mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thank you. 
Well done, Grace. That was excellent sight reading as well, wasn't it? Fantastic. Brilliant. Let's, uh, let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for these uh, stories from the lips of Jesus, and we pray that you would speak through them into our hearts and our lives this night. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, I don't know what you've been doing over this weekend. It looks as if Patrick's been out and about with his uh, hat on, woolly hat on. But uh, what have you been up to? Perhaps you've been uh, in your garden clearing away some brambles or having a bonfire. Are you allowed to have bonfires in Claygate? I don't know. Um, perhaps uh, you've been, uh, you got out a new recipe book and you've been uh, practicing making bread or chocolate brownies or maybe the Christmas cake for three, three weeks' time. Uh, perhaps you are keen on uh, metal detecting and you took out your metal detector and you tried to find some treasure somewhere uh, around about the place. Or, or perhaps you're a keen eBay enthusiast. You just got a real bargain. You sort of put in the, the bid just at the end and, and uh, got exactly what you wanted for a really good price. When Jesus told uh, stories, when he told parables, he used images that people were familiar with at his time and people are still familiar with today, images from gardening, from baking, from finding treasure, from buying stuff. There's still images that resonate with us today. He didn't use sort of tough words that no one could understand to try and speak about God. He used pictures that people could easily relate to. And the thing that binds together these four little parables that we've just heard read is as a single idea. And it's pretty obvious what that single idea is because each of those little parables starts with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, if you've been around in church for quite a while, and I know our confirmation candidates have mostly been around in church for quite a while, we'll know something about the kingdom of heaven because one of the first things that we learn when we come to church, hopefully, is the Lord's Prayer. And you'll remember when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Or if you learn the traditional form, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray in the Lord's Prayer for the coming of God's kingdom. Because Jesus believed that the kingdom wasn't just something for the future. It wasn't just about heaven when we die. That the kingdom of God is something that we need to pray for and work for. Uh, in the present, in the, in, the, in the present day. Something that we live for and we work for and pray for now. And whenever we say the Lord's Prayer, it's as though Jesus is saying, just imagine what would happen if heaven was to come to your school. What would it look like? Just imagine what it would happen if, if, if heaven were to come to your house or to your street or to your workplace or your office, Claygate. What would happen if the kingdom of God were just to break in all of a sudden? We're called to use our imaginations. And when we use them, we start thinking, well, well, of course, people would really start looking out for their neighbors. I mean, they'd, they'd, they'd love their neighbors th themselves. And the elderly would respect the young, and the young would respect the elderly, and you wouldn't have tensions at home, and you wouldn't have bullying at school, and you wouldn't have people so worried about what they look like wanting to look like someone else, you wouldn't have envy, wouldn't have competitiveness in that sort of negative way. There'd be no uh, violence, there'd be no prejudice. 
Just imagine what it would look like if heaven were to break out in your school, your workplace, your home, the street. And Jesus says, once you've imagined that, then start praying for that. Pray, your kingdom come in Claygate as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in my school as it is in heaven. And then the challenging bit is Jesus then goes on and says, now don't just pray that, but now do what you can to see that that happens. It's really what being a Christian, it's a task that Christians are called to, praying and working for the coming of God's kingdom. It's a very exciting thing. Where so many people around us don't really know what life is for, what they're meant to be about. Very simple as Christians in many ways. It's to pray and to work for the coming of God's kingdom. Now Christians and churches often lose their way in, in that. They, they forget what they're, we forget what we're here for. And it's partly because for some of us, we've been Christians for a long time. We've gone around the block several times and we, we kind of lose that initial enthusiasm that we had when we were younger. And it's partly that once you get to sort of middle-aged Christians or older like me, uh, that, uh, that when we get together, we tend to be worried about finance and the church roof and all that kind of stuff. And those things to exercise us more than actually praying and working for the coming of God's kingdom. But these four little parables call us back to basics. They say, get back to what this thing's really all about. And the four little parables speak about two things, especially about the kingdom of God. The first is the power of the kingdom of God. And the second is the preciousness of the kingdom of God. Those first two little parables, the mustard seed, that tiny seed that grows up in the great big plant, and the yeast, that tiny bit of yeast that leavens a whole batch of bread. I, I, I use our bread maker every evening, so I know about that. You, know, you put in five grams of yeast, and you put in 600 grams of flour, and somehow the yeast does its job, and it all grows up into a great big loaf. And so these tiny little things that have a big impact, the power of the kingdom of God, Jesus is talking about here. Do you remember that story right at the end of Matthew's gospel where Jesus is standing on top of a mountain and he preaches this amazing kind of last sermon. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And it sounds like a sort of rousing speech at a party conference. You know, it sounds like there are thousands of people that Jesus is talking to at this point. And then Matthew says, well, actually, there were just 11 of them. And then he says, and some of them doubted. We don't quite know what he means by that. What were they doubting? But what a feeble little group of people, just at the climax of, of Matthew's gospel. Tiny group of 11 people of whom some doubted, called to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. But they did. That's the amazing thing. They did. So that today, 2.1 billion people around the globe worship Jesus as Lord. It's incredible, isn't it? This tiny little mustard seed, the most sort of infinitesimal kind of beginnings. And out of that has grown this enormous tree in which the nations of the world take shelter. That tiny little bit of yeast which has leavened uh, every nation uh, under the sun. So there's something here about the power of the kingdom of God. The power of the kingdom of God isn't just about growing the church. That's part of it, yes, but it's also about transforming the world around. In Jesus' day, yeast was usually used as, a, as an image of evil. The Pharisees said, don't be, you, know, you shouldn't be like yeast or you shouldn't go into to, to bad places because you'll sort of catch it. You'll be infected by the yeast. 
But Jesus was saying, no, yeast can be a picture of good because actually goodness is stronger than evil and loving is stronger than hatred. And as Jesus demonstrated in the last days, life is stronger than death. And so Jesus mixed with bad people because he wasn't worried about getting bad himself, sort of catching it, but he wanted them to get good. He wanted them to catch the sort of goodness that he was radiating, as indeed they did. That's why he kept tax collectors and sinners around him, so that their lives might be transformed through hanging around with him. And so the kingdom of heaven has grown here on earth, and many millions of lives have been transformed uh, through the loving witness of Christian people, including, of course, the lives of our confirmation candidates tonight. But there's also something here in the final two parables about the preciousness of the kingdom of God. This amazing treasure that we dig up. And once we've dug it up, we say, well, let's, let's sell everything we've got in order to get this sort of field that the treasure's in. Or the power of the, that the pearl, the merchant who goes out and finds this amazing pearl, that's worth everything, he says. And he sells everything he's got in order to possess it. It's not that Jesus is wanting us all to, to live in poverty. That's not what he's saying here. But he is wanting us to recognize that there's nothing, nothing more precious than to know ourselves loved by God, called by God, part of his family, his worldwide family. It's one of the candidates. I was just uh, reminded of this. I love the little testimonies, which you will shortly be hearing. But one of them particularly struck me. Have we got it here? Oh, well, I'll get there afterwards. Oh, here we are. Brilliant. One of our candidates. I won't say who at this stage. But he said this. I want to be confirmed because God is extremely important to me and I'm extremely important to God. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? God is extremely important to me and I'm extremely important to God. I mean, that is amazing grace, isn't it? That we're extremely important to God. But that's the truth and that's the treasure which Jesus said is worth giving your life for. Seeking to serve Christ who calls us so important to himself, who calls us all by name. So Jesus is saying, keep your vision clear. He's saying, you don't have to give everything up. I don't believe he's saying everyone should give everything up. But he's saying, keep your vision clear so that you're not living lives that are cluttered. You're not just living lives for yourself or for your nearest and dearest. You're living lives to pray and for work for the coming of the kingdom of heaven. So whether gardening's your thing or cooking or treasure hunting or buying stuff, there's a parable here for you, for us, a parable that encourages us to do what we're meant to do, to pray and work for the coming of the kingdom of God. And perhaps I might finish with a story of a, a young man who had a big influence on me when I was a young person myself. I was 13 at the time. He was 21. His name was Nick Silver. And we were at a Christian camp. And Nick, we were in the queue at the end of the day and they were serving sort of hot chocolates. And he wanted to buy something called a munch mallow, which some of you may remember. And uh, he didn't have any money. So he said, uh, could I lend him a bit of money to buy a munch mallow? So I duly lent him sixpence, whatever it was in those days, and he bought a munch mallow. And about half an hour later, I went back, you know, went to, 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 to go to sleep, went to my bed. And on my bed was a, a box of six munch mallows with a little note thanking me for having lent him the money. And it wasn't just the rate of interest that astounded me, you know, 500% over half an hour, that seemed extremely good. It wasn't just the rate of interest, it was that this 
an older man had gone to such trouble, uh, showing such kindness to a, to a kid who really didn't know what he believed at that stage. But he made a big, big impact on me. Wind forward uh, seven or eight years, and, and I was 21, and, and Nick was dead. He actually contracted motor neurone disease as a young man and went down very fast. And his funeral was absolutely packed with people. And so many people I spoke to afterwards had stories just like mine. Stories of Nick's little acts of kindness which had made a big, big impact on the lives of those who experienced them. Nick was someone who prayed for and then lived out the kingdom of God. And Jesus would say, go and do likewise. Should we pray? Father, we thank you so much for these little parables. We thank you that each one packs a punch. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing power of the mustard seed, of the yeast, which is the kingdom of God. Thank you for the way, Lord, in which you've empowered us through your kingdom, through your presence in our lives. And we thank you too, Lord, for the incredible preciousness of the, the treasure that is ours in Christ, the, the pearl, that beautiful pearl. And thank you, Lord, that in response to that preciousness, in response to all that Jesus has done for us, all the ways in which he's given us hope and love and grace, purpose in our living a great eternal future ahead of us. That we would live our lives, Lord, in obedience to him. And especially, Lord, we pray that for our confirmation candidates tonight, blessing you for them, thanking you for the spiritual journey that each one is on, and praying, Lord, that as they take this next step in that journey, so you would strengthen them and bless them this night. For Jesus' sake. Amen.